755 is real is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Checking out is a breeze on the Game Time app. Once you've pinpointed seats you want, simply click the listing and check out. It's that simple. Use the Game Time two-step checkout next time you're looking for great deals on tickets. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back. Seven fifty-five is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. We are beaming to you on the All West Coast Winter Meetings edition of the podcast. Spectacular. I'm here in San Diego at the meetings. Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever, I broadcast partner here. He's home in Seattle in his palatial lakefront estate uh and our producer cameron molina is hunkered down in his seedy downtown la apartment overlooking the 110 freeway which is why you might hear occasional sirens in the background i wonder if you heard that on the podcast uh what's shaking up the coast in seattle oh nothing man it's uh it's early and we got a busy month with my family uh i got i got two kids birthdays uh, Jeez anniversary and then you know christmas and new year's this month so two kids, to bang December it all kids out. huh yeah yeah we, we plan that you know you try to avoid having a kid mid-season yeah. so get to work at spring training and hope hope you have a kid in december do you just wrap it all up in one big christmas present for him or what well it's no. it's the 14th the 25th and the 28th we're doing presents so it's, so it's kind of the like, whole month then all right i think when they're older we'll probably do like a half birthday or something in, in june or july so it feels like you know, special form or something, but they just kind of get ambushed with presents and stuff from family and everything. So busy month, busy month. Did you get to any Seahawks games, by the way? No, oh, I did. Actually, I went and watched. Um, I saw Lamar Jackson play and I don't I don't watch much football. Oh, my God, dude. He's but, unbelievable. <laughs> I saw this guy and I turned to my father in law because he has <laughs> tickets. And I just said, this this dude's different, huh? And he's, oh. he's so he proceeded to explain to me how good Lamar Jackson was. But even my, you know, untrained eye saw Lamar Jackson out there running around. I was just like, man, this dude is a beast. He must be, I guess he's basically the the second coming of Michael Vick. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think we'd see another Michael Vick. He's better than Michael Vick. Is he? Yeah. He's, you know, I don't know if he's as quiet as, as he doesn't run as much as Michael Vick. But uh, shit, the stuff he, I've he seen has, him do looks. The moves <laughs> he has like are it. just a running back's moves, man. And that arm, those those, he's got a cannon, dude. Cannon. Yeah. But yeah, this uh, so he that makes was it cool. look so easy cool too with those little flip push passes for time. I mean, he just makes everything look so easy. Him and Mahomes, those guys are, and your guy in Seattle too. But Mahomes and. And Jackson, to me, are just clearly above everybody else as far as quarterbacks right now. They're making a Brady, you know, look, and, and Matt Ryan, for that, for that matter, they make them look like old men, the way they don't move in the pocket or anything, you know? 
Yeah, it's kind of like I wonder if that'll start happening in the game. I think that's kind of how. Uh, I mean, if you could get guys like that, obviously yeah. you want to make as many as possible. But and, yeah. you know, it's it's similar to baseball where everybody throws 100 miles an hour now. That might be the next uh, breed of super quarterbacks. Yeah. But he's something. He was fun to watch. I know that. Well, listen, getting on to uh, getting on to the subject at hand, we've. Uh, we got some stuff going on here at the at the meetings, but uh, more importantly, we had some big stuff going on last week. We'll get to all that. Uh, and uh, seriously, though, Cameron in L.A., our producer, he's actually in the studio. He gets up really early to make the drive from his CD apartment, and he's the maestro turning all the dials, pushing all the buttons to bring you this podcast together and get it out there for you, uh, our valued listeners. Some of you who've been with this journey of ours for 50-some episodes now, and some are just hearing about us now and only listening because the Tuesday episode is free, even on even in the off season. So, whatever you know, uh, regardless of what brought you here or how long you've been stopping by, we thank you and spread the word. Give subscriptions to the Athletic as Christmas gives, and that'll also give you access to any access to any subscriber to listen to all our shows during the season when we do two a week, and we save the best stuff for the subscriber only show if we can help it. So. But today we've got what I think will be a strong one. That's free, so don't complain if it's not so great. After all, <laughs> I, I ain't, after all, I ain't getting much sleep out here on the West Coast. Uh, but we're going to hit on the latest Murph, Dale Murphy Hall of Fame snub, the signing of Cole Hamels by the Braves last week, and the record-smashing deal that uh, St- St- Steven Strasburg got Monday from the Washington Borises or the Washington Nationals. And how that record isn't going to last very long with Boris's other top pitching free agent client, Garrett Cole, about to shatter it. So uh, that's it. We got a lot. So let's do this. The first headlines from the meetings were made Sunday night with the announcement of the Hall of Fame election by the Modern Era Committee. The committee blew it again, Eric, in epic fashion by not just failing to vote in Dale Murphy in his second year on the ballot. Okay, if you're not going to vote him in, I understand why some don't think he's Hall of Famer. All right. But failing to even give him one-third of the 12 votes necessary for election by the 16-member committee, that that's a slap in the face, man. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I think people are just starting to, you know, maybe maybe it's just me, but I'm starting to lose interest in the Hall of Fame when, when a guy like Dale Murphy doesn't make it in. Um, yeah. I look at his career. Yeah. I mean, his accomplishments, everything's there, except playing for, you know, in a big market or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just a first class, you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure where, you know, we're doing character assassination for guys that, that cheated and did certain things and that cost them getting in. I feel like the kind of character that Dale Murphy is, if you're going to consider character at all, um, that, that should be a big benefit for him. Absolutely. I agree. Get in, uh, you know, if, Kenny if Rosenthal, he said the same thing. We'll talk yeah. to him about it. I mean, are you, are you talking about, we want good guys in the hall of fame? Are we taking the best players? What are we doing? But yeah, for me overall, there's just, there's just a lack of consistency going on, um, with who gets in and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was well, frustrating a, for me just to see him just not even get considered, basically. Yeah, that's the problem I have it with it. Most of all, is is I think the writers do a fair, pretty good job with this, but you get now you turn it over to these veterans committee, which is now these era committees, and there's just no consistency whatsoever. I mean, they do they they elect more people than the veterans committee did back in the day, thankfully, 
But it's just no consistency when you go from one committee to the next. Last year was the uh, today's game committee, and they voted in Harold Baines. This year is the uh, modern era, modern game committee, and you got guys like Murphy and and Lou Whitaker. I mean, he didn't get he didn't get in, and Trammell got in two times ago. And his partner, double play combination that was inseparable. And Whitaker actually has more war than Trammell for those into the advanced metrics. And he didn't he didn't really even get close this year. So there's just no and Dave Parker, my hero as a kid, he didn't get close. But I don't know, man. It just uh you know, we're not saying Murphy should get in because he's a good guy, but no. uh, but I understand what you're saying. If you're gonna count uh, uh against guys for being bad character, which I do in the case of steroids, Murphy has impeccable character on top of being a two-time MVP. Right. The best right. player in his league. Harold Baines never finished higher than ninth in the MVP validating in any given year in his career. Well, that's what I so, can't understand is, is you know, I've seen some guys get knocked for they've never finished this such and such MVP voting, you know, that they've never accomplished this. They didn't win that. And, and then you you have a guy that's that's done all those things and kind of checks yeah. all those marks, and then then you go in a different area and critique him. But right. for me, man, I, you know, I feel like we've we've talked about this a lot. But for me, Murph's a Hall of Famer, and and I really hope he gets in. But um, you know, it's just one of those things where that if for me, he's a Hall of Famer, and that's how I look at him, and I'll always look at him that way. And whatever happens, you know, officially, I don't really care anymore. That's what. Uh was it Ron Darling did something the other day he was commenting in the New York Times about all this year's candidates and he said when I was pitching and I was facing uh, Del Murphy I always looked at him as a Hall of Famer then I look yep. at him as a Hall of Famer now he goes when Del Murphy was playing I always thought of him as a Hall of Famer I mean I so you know and he was the guy that uh, on the ballot it was the guy that to him was an obvious one so you know and bully for Ted Simmons for getting in because he got short shifted too when he was on the, the writer's ballot. He was only on it one time and fell off, and and he had a hell of a career. Longevity, you know, is, in his case, is why he got in. But uh, you know, played 19 years and all that. But Murph, you know, I know his career's peak was short, relatively short, because of all the injuries. But this is a guy who played through some brutal knee injuries, and at the end, I found out he played in Colorado with like severe gout. Man, they were talking about. <laughs> Might lose a foot, that kind of gout. He was playing with, he wanted to keep playing through it. So, I mean, he's a tough guy that never complained about anything. And just, uh, you know, I just think it sucks because Harold Baines a year ago, he didn't Murph this year in the committee, did not have a guy politicking for him in that 16 member committee, the guy that was like his manager or his best friend or played with him and all that. A year ago, that's why Baines got in. I found this out later. He's, he had Tony LaRussa, former White Sox manager. And Jerry Reinsdorf, the longtime White Sox owner, were both on the committee. They both spoke passionately for him, and it persuaded enough people to vote for him. And that's why he got in. You know, I didn't so it's know all that. about politics. Yeah, yeah, and, that and, shouldn't be how it works. But and yeah. the Murph, the last time he was on it, not this year, but the last time a couple of years ago, I had heard that Sherholz spoke for him because Sherholz was on the committee, and that a lot of people voted did would not vote for him. Because Sherholtz had spoken against Marvin Miller being uh, getting voted, that's what I heard, and a lot of people resented that that he spoke against Marvin Miller, and he was, and several other people did too, and so they as a, as backlash didn't vote for Murph, so that was politics too. So that what just was a knock that. on Marvin Miller not getting in? There were a lot of owners, management people did not <laughs> want him in. 
<laughs> for the same reason that players and everybody else and us realized he should be in. Yeah, yeah. That was such a long overdue election. This year he finally yeah. went in, so thank God. But there was only one owner on this year's uh, 16-member panel, Glass, you know, for, with the Royals. So <laughs> this would be the year that he would get in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. game changer. Yeah, Murph, you know, like I said, two-time MVP, one of the three or four best players in the NL during the 80s. I mean, you know, Mike Schmidt was the only guy who was probably clearly better than him for the 80s. He's an icon throughout Braves country. He was the squeaky clean star of milk ads everywhere, the idol of so many kids across the country because Braves games were on everywhere, and he had that night poster that was on a lot of the little kids' walls. Uh, and a Sports Illustrated cover where he's smiling and has the mighty Murphy next to it. So, you know, this was a guy who was one of the stars in the game, you know, and and, and maybe so that's, that's costing the- him, man. Maybe he didn't have enough bad boy in him. Maybe you should have had some scandals <laughs> and beat somebody up or something, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> I have no clue at this point. Well, the Modern Era Committee once again failed where well, the writers failed for 15 times back when he was still on the writer's ballot. So. Helped elect one of the true good guys in the game. Guy without nary a whiff of controversy his whole career. Does he have another um, Does he have another window or another shot at I, this? I think he'll be back on it in two years. I don't think there's a restriction. Somebody said they heard it was if you got less than four votes, they're not considered again. But I don't think that's the case. I don't think there's a limit at all to how many times you can be on the. So he should be back on it, I think, in two years when the Modern Era Committee said three years, actually, 2022 for the class of 2023. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he has to wait that long, though. There's no other way in. So um, anyway, screwed up. You screwed up, committee. Marvin Miller and Ted yeah. Simmons were elected. Both were deserving. Yeah. But so were a few others, including Lou Whitaker, like I said. Uh, to me, it just it doesn't look right for – couple of reasons that are obvious that Whitaker is not in and Alan Trammell got elected in. And when, when everybody I know that saw those two play for their whole careers would have said, if one goes in the other, I mean, they're, you know, they're, you couldn't put one above the other, but yet Whitaker didn't even close to get in this time. So, um, and he had, like I said, higher war than Trammell. Uh, Dave Parker was, a, was one of my favorite players as a kid. I thought he was such an impactful guy. And another guy who was one of the best players of his decade, um, you know, for an entire decade. But So that's that. Anyway, moving on. So I'm get off my soapbox with the, uh, with the Murph stuff. I guess we won't talk about that for a while now since it's not going to come up again. Yeah. But moving on to Strasburg and the seven-year, $245 million contract he signed Monday with the Nationals. What were your first thoughts when you heard that? I mean, I think obviously – he wouldn't have opted out of his deal if he wasn't going to get a lot more. Did you know? Did you think it was going to go that high though? The highest, no, no, not per, going per year and no the chance. highest total value. I, like I, I've said, you know, I've said for a while, I have no clue how to gauge the free agent market anymore after the last yeah. two uh, seasons. But that's nice to see teams spending money. I know that. Uh, yeah. I, I knew, he, you know, the postseason he put together, and yeah. and and the year he put together. You know, he finally had that big season. Nobody could yeah. really find a way to critique and. It's hard to live up to that hype of being, you know, first overall pick. And I'd say at this point, he's he's obviously done it. Uh, you know, he did what he did in the postseason. I feel like they had to bring him back. Uh, they they kind of have, you know, a little older team, but they still have a, a core unit. And then with him and Scherzer and, and Corbin, too, it's it's easy to yeah. picture another uh, run at the World Series with those two guys. And, and he's been a gnat already for his whole career. So 
I figured he'd go back there. I figured that they'd make that effort, and, yeah. and he seemed like a guy that would want that comfort of being with the organization he's been with. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know if it'd go that high or or, or really what to expect. But Garrett Cole's got to be. Uh, he's got to be feeling good right now. I know that. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna blow through three hundred million, man. You over think so? Nine years. I think so. Oh shit. Yeah, it's uh, funny, man, because it, it seems like agents are kind of adjusting a little bit back to this this new uh, free agent approach teams are taking too. Uh, Boris used to be just wait, 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 right? Yeah. And and every yeah. year there'd be some injury or an owner that just finally told his GM to make it rain, yeah. and and because every year you know something would happen and Boris would get his guys paid. But the last few, uh, he's kind of had some guys hanging, yeah. especially Mustakas. But I think the agents are are seeing now when they get a good offer that they think's good, they're realizing mm-hmm. the teams just aren't budging. You know, teams set their value and are just staying there. They're they're really avoiding those bidding wars. But I don't think you're going to be able to avoid that avoid that with Garrett Cole. I, I just think that you know with the Angels in on the Yankees, it, I think he's yeah. getting paid three hundred would be oh. crazy. Oh yeah, those two teams in it right there. Uh, the Angels want him so desperately because he's from out there, and they need yeah. to, they need to go for it, you know. While while Trout's still in the peak of his career, and they've spent all this money, and the Yankees want him bad. And once they set their sights on a guy, you know, yeah. Well, he's got a blank check, is what I heard. Yeah, um, but it's crazy, you know. He he opted out of four years and a hundred million Strasburg last year, and, yeah. and and he ends up more than doubling that. I mean. Talk about fortuitous timing for the best season of your career, followed by the kind of postseason. Nutting up that many, uh, myself included, did not believe he was capable of. I mean, I didn't either. I didn't. I didn't know that I was in him. You know, I, yeah, I think that. Yeah. I think those were the big question marks. Though, like I said, uh, that after that postseason, it was there's no knock on him. Uh, you know that maybe the health. Were, were but, you like me? Uh, yeah, big time. Were you like me because he used to come season? out of games. He used to come out of games yeah. against us because it was too hot. Yes, you know, he, he, heat exhaustion. This is sore. That's sore. It just had that in, reputation. Uh, it was year after year. There was a playoff race, and and he was ducking out because he didn't want to get past his innings limit and stuff like that. Well, they did, uh, yeah, know. they held him out of that. Him and Boris held him out of the playoffs that year, and the Nationals didn't win the series. And everybody was like, he's yeah. tried to live that down ever since. You know, that was his early in his career, like first or yes. second year. Stuff like that happens, man. You you lose. You got a long way to climb with 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 players because and he did you know, so, it this year, man. Yeah, so many of us are trying to get to the postseason or have yeah. that opportunity, and and especially yeah. when you're the ace, you know, when yeah. you you got the stuff he has, and you're just kind of like, hey, I don't, I can't risk injury for the playoffs. You know, it's easy to lose your teammates and and a lot of people's face. So yeah, I was in the same boat as you, where I just didn't know if he had that that kind of just grit mm-hmm. to him, you know, that he'd be that guy that show up in the postseason, but then he wins world series MVP in a Corvette or whatever, you know, it's kind yeah. of hard to deny at this point. At the beginning of the season, I was talking to Gabe, uh, Braves writer for the AJC that replaced me over there. And we were talking about the kind of onerous contracts in sports. And we laughed because we were talking about John Wall's contract with Washington wizards, how awful it is. And Strasburg's, while it's not one of the worst in baseball, we were laughing at the even the idea of him opting out because somebody said, "Yeah, he's got an opt out at the end of this year." We're like, uh, "Can you imagine him opting out with four <laughs> years and a hundred million? Like he's going to get more than that?" We were laughing about it. It's like, 
yeah. I couldn't even imagine it. It would have been like imagining Hayward opting out of his contract, you know, Jason Hayward. Yeah, well, but, that's the beauty of those opt-outs and the reason yeah. teams aren't going to do them anymore because exactly. if, he had a, if he had a shit season, he just hangs tight, you know, and collects $100 million. But you put together this one year like this at the right time, yep. all of a sudden you double that 100 into 245. Uh, and Boris has had so many of his contracts include opt-outs recently. And how he gets to talks teams into doing that because it is entirely in the in the player's favor. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing the team it's not gets a mutual out of it. opt out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, if you're going to do it, how about the team getting an opt out? Then if you suck, then they get they get to opt out. <laughs> on it. So, yeah. you know, well, that's like basically what the NFL has permanent opt out. Yeah, <laughs> the NFL what you're doing. <laughs> See, I don't. I, like I said, I don't watch a lot of NFL, but it seems like the NFL just does whatever they want. Yeah, they, if they don't like what the player's doing. Or they've decided to go, go in a different direction, a rebuild. Sorry, you're gone. Yeah, <laughs> and all they owe you is the is the bonus and most the signing bonus in most cases. And the flight home. Yeah, um, but yeah, it it just it seemed like there was no way that he would be a guy to opt out, and then he has this season for that just blows everything away that he had done previously. Listen to this. I I checked in. I looked at the average of his seven full years in the big leagues before this year. These are the average numbers he put up in that span. 13 and 7, 319 ERA, good, not incredible, and 190 strikeouts in 163 innings. That was his average for the seven full years before this one. And in 2018, he was trending in the wrong direction. He went 10 and 7, 374 ERA. He just pitched 130 innings, 22 starts. That was last year. So that's why we're thinking, okay, coming into this year, that opt out, that's ridiculous. It don't even it will never even be a factor. So nothing about have? how what, he was what kind of injury did he have last year? Oh, he only God, made twenty two stars. Year? What was it last year? Um was it geez, See with him it would have been like a finger or something and everyone would have called him a you know a pansy a or some, some or shit like that. But wasn't it a calf or something? I don't even know, man. I have to go back. There's been so many little things over the years. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, nothing about how he's trending made it even imaginable that he would be in a position to opt out of a hundred million dollars. But uh, <laughs> this is what he did this year in 2019: 18 and six, three three two ERA, league leading 209 innings during the regular season, with a career high 251 strikeouts. And then he goes from that; he takes it up even another notch or two in the postseason. He went 5 and 0 with a 198 ERA in six postseason starts for the World Series champions. He had 47 strikeouts and four walks in 36 and a third innings in the postseason. Man. Won both his starts in the World Series against the Nats and was voted the World Series MVP. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's It was dare we say a Bumgarner-esque postseason. That him. was the, that <laughs> was the year for him. Uh and he did against the Astros too, you know, it's at the at the it's, at the time that it was like, come on, when you got the opt out there and a chance to like think of how much money he made himself with that postseason following I, that regular season. At least a hundred mil. At and least. I don't yeah, think he's got all kinds of and he's got all kinds of performance incentives in that thing too, as if the contract itself, the largest contract ever for a pitcher, if that wasn't enough. He's got all kinds of performance incentives for World Series MVP, all this Cy Young. It's like <laughs> I mean, the Boris just has that team in the palm of his hand, man. They just, oh, he's got Rendon like, too, right? Oh, yeah. Hey, you oh, ever yeah. thought about being an agent? 
Because oh Boris is going to make about $45 million this oh offseason off just those three guys. I mean, yeah, you can start and, small. And they were bidding against themselves, from what I understand, because we haven't heard one other team made an offer that was even in the ballpark of what he ended up getting for the Nats. So. <laughs> yeah, but how about when, when Boris has the other huge star-starting pitcher, you know. Garrett Cole. He's got it's pretty easy for him to gauge the market. You know, oh, what, I know. <laughs> he sets he has, the market. He sets it, so. He's like the, uh, the man behind the curtain on this whole offseason. I do like, though, I like when teams win a World Series or something and start bringing their guys back. Um, yeah, that, well, it makes biz- good business sense. Yeah, it's it's smart. Because you're going to have a spike in attendance next year. So yeah. you want to win again next year yeah. while all those people are filling the place. And you then you start the thing going like the Giants had for such a long time, you know, when they've sold it out every night. That was awesome. It's just a cash when they were cow. Doing that. Yeah, when they won three in five years. But they said the so, Nationals said they're not going to be able to bring both Rendon and, and Strasburg back. I think. I think the GM yeah, or somebody had said BS, that. Yeah. I don't yeah. buy it, but that's I think that's said. crazy because I'd almost rather have Rendon than Strasburg. Rendon, exactly. That's what I was going to ask you. I would have if you're going to spend that much money. I want the guy playing every day. That's the leader yeah. of your your team. You know. But yeah, and he just Rendon, man, he's crazy because he just has no pulse. You know. So no. you get if that's your three hole hitter, four hole hitter, and, yeah. and he comes up in big situations. I'm even watching him in the World Series. He just seemed like yeah. he was he was playing, you know, a, a June seventh game. Uh, you know, a guy that's never feeling any pressure like that, never in any trouble. I mean, just I'd love to have him back. I think that's going to be a really big hole for them to fill. You know, they. Uh, I was talking to some Nationals writers about this yesterday, and they said part of the the reasoning was, and again, talk about Boris, man. He's like trying to trying to balance all this with them. You know, knowing that they've said they can't do both, so it's like, so do you try to get all of it for one of your guys? <laughs> no. Knowing that it's going to. But uh, you don't but anyway, know that. You never know with an agent if he's thinking, I want to just get five hundred million total if I want to get each guy the best deal. Normally yeah. they want to get each guy the best deal because that reflects and, on on their resume, yeah. you know, over and time. He also but, knows that he also knows that if Rendon goes somewhere else, it's gonna get to get more money too from the Dodgers. Yeah, so he doesn't or, care. Or the Rangers or Yeah. So um but they were saying how Rendon, the writers were telling me the Washington guys that Rendon is, has made it has said uh, before that, he doesn't want to. He probably wants to retire at like thirty five. He's not a guy that wants to play till he's forty. <laughs> he seems like it. So it's like you know, if you maybe you don't want to give him a seven eight year contract, you know, when he's <laughs> maybe how old he's is not he now? Be. He's twenty nine. Yeah, I mean, 30, you're kind of capping yourself at six years there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't so, want this guy getting paid thirty yeah, million. He wants to like be home losing at interest on me in the last two years of the deal. But he's but, probably the type of guy he seems like it that would just go home and, and leave the money anyway. I mean, the guy seems so laid yeah. back, just like a Cali guy that just say, yeah, yeah, I've had enough. I got enough cake. I'm going home. Yeah. So Scott wouldn't like that, though. So so Strasburg, anyway, has the record contract, and that deal's going to carry him through his age 37 season. Man, you could just see the potential for that being so ugly. <laughs> Uh, who knows? Maybe Strasburg's turned a corner, and this is the new pitcher he is. But if he has a couple of years like he had, you know, in the past, while he's making thirty-five million a year, whew, man, he rough. convinced me that the watching yeah. his interviews in the postseason, the way he handled yeah, himself, just, uh, you no know, doubt. maybe I think he's really matured and, and kind of grown out of that you know spoiled bonus baby type of mentality he seemed to have early on, and and kind of grown into a man. Maybe he's got kids now or something, but. He yeah. just he seemed like a totally different guy. Uh, you know his accountability that he had in interviews and everything, and, and the guy he wanted to be. Um, 
I mean, obviously, uh, from a brave standpoint, I really hope it turns into just a pile of shit. But <laughs> yeah. uh, with with injuries and injury risk could happen. Uh, he's, he's they he's, had success against him early in his career, but man, he lit him up recently. In recent years, he's pretty much dominated. Him. Yeah, I, th- I think he's turned a, a corner mentally, and that would have been a big. Uh, you know, teams have their teams have their their info from the the trainers, the coaches. You know, yeah certain teammates the bodies and all that they, they've kind of they've probably got a pretty good read on on where he's at mentally right now to want to sign him to that deal so we'll, we'll see i mean did. it's it's really I hard to say. predict players you know how they're going to age now because the game's yeah. just the game's never been played like this without any kind of amphetamines or or performance enhancers yeah. like it is now uh, a guy like justin verlander is somehow doing what he's doing you know he found a program that works for his body because he seemed done two three years ago and now he's doing what he's doing. So it's for me, it's really hard uh, to predict how guys are going to age anymore. Um, yeah, he, it's, he and he's totally maximized the analytics with Houston. Verlander just totally exactly. embraced him when he went down there and figured out the new spin he needed to have on his on his yep. pitches and all that. And and what did they say? Crafted his pitches? Is that what they say? How, how do they call it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, he, yeah, he did something right. Talk about it like that. Yeah, going but, to drive line and crafting their pitches. I think they call it. Uh, yeah, shaping, well, shaping their pitches. What they do That's is it. there's there's kind of they have all this feedback now where they can take the spin on on yeah. you know your slider and they can they can use high definition cameras yeah. watch the ball come out of your hand. So if your slider's spinning like three to uh-huh. nine, right, uh-huh. you can actually tailor that break to the complete opposite. So it'd be uh, it'd be like seven to seven to uh-huh. three, right? So you're just going like yeah. a, an X there. You're making that X with your spin and the pitches look the same coming out. They call it tunneling, actually. I think that's uh-huh. the term you're looking for, where the, the everything looks the same coming out and it goes three different directions. You know, that's the hardest for the hitters. But, you know, other than that, guys really know how to take care of their bodies and, yeah. and stuff now. Um, yeah. I think it's almost like the when amphetamines got taken out of the game, uh, it's balancing back out with the way that guys actually know how to take care of their bodies now. Cause the weight rooms and yeah. stuff, when I came into the game, were just, I mean, they just threw a bench press in there and guys kind of stretched. Now the stuff you see guys get into the park at 1230, they're working till game time yeah. to, to maintain their bodies. So, I mean, he could hold up or he could fall off a cliff just depends on, you know, how he makes uh use of, of everything that's at his disposal to, to take care of himself. So if the Nats were only willing to give that kind of money for one of these guys to stay, uh, now it seems more than likely Rendon's going to be headed elsewhere, perhaps to the Rangers who want to make a big splash in their new ball New stadium, park. yeah. Again, a new stadium. They're like kind of like Atlanta building a new stadium every 20 years or so. Um, and and now that well, at least now they got a retractable roof, a kind of indoor, none of the They needed that. 100, 100, they needed it as bad as Houston did. Um, so they want to make a big splash, and they but landing the native Texan in, in – uh, Rendon and the best third baseman available. That would be huge, obviously. Uh, and then you got the Dodgers. They people don't realize the Dodgers have almost no long term commitments. After the next couple of years, their books are like clean. So they're the kind of team that, and with their deep pockets, they're the kind of team that if they wanted to give him a record deal, they could do it no no problem at all. You know, if they wanted to give him say 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 shorten it a little bit, go six years, forty million a year, they could do that with their payroll. Uh, yeah, you know, I wonder if teams. I wonder if books. teams have. Um, you know, I know they're not supposed to talk about this, but I wonder if teams have an idea where this next collective bargaining agreement is going to go because that really affect. You know, if they're going to raise the luxury taxes, or I'd be awesome if they got yeah. rid of it. They won't, but uh, it's basically a salary cap right now. So even though they got the deep right. pockets, you know, are they willing yeah. to go spend yeah. that much on one dude? Yeah, and they're not. They're not willing to go. Over Nobody right is. Now, so. 
Nobody is. Even though it doesn't cost you a lot of money when you only go over once and then you could reset and go back. It doesn't cost you much money. So that's kind of overblown. Teams are using that as an excuse. Yeah, so. for sure. Nevertheless, um, though, they're doing it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but regardless, one thing is also clear about Monday's Strasburg development and the Rendon fallout that's expected, and that is it was a very good day for Josh Donaldson. Yeah. <laughs> because the the Braves' free agent third baseman, he's only going to be hot, more highly coveted by whichever team doesn't get Rendon. That right. includes the Nationals, potentially. So, I mean, can you imagine – how, as much as the Braves fans cringe at the thought of losing Donaldson and how big he was to the team last year, imagine how much more worse that could be, how much more cringe-worthy that would be if they fail to sign him and he goes to the Nationals Ugh. and they have to face him 19 games a year for the next three or four years. Well, that's the type of stuff that makes a GM a little emotional and, and do something different, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's almost a better fit, you know, because it – you got Strasburg, uh, Scherzer, just an older team in general over at the Nationals where you might think your window's a little smaller. You know, maybe you sign a guy like J.D. to three years instead of Rendon to seven or eight. Uh, it, it it might even fit their plan better. So that that's not good news for the Braves. Mm-hmm. But, no. you know, man, if I was a GM, man, I'm either winning a World Series or just leaving a blazing trail of hot garbage behind. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm signing J.D. back at all costs. You're right. But. But I'm not a GM, and and I'm pretty sure Alex yeah. doesn't want to stop being a GM when his Braves tenure is over. Uh, so he's got to set a risk reward kind of price tag on JD and yeah. stick to it. And I think he will. You know, he just I the guy seems like he just it. has no emotion. His his yeah. wife's probably pissed at him all the time for that. But as a GM, <laughs> it's a it's an important trait. You know, it's it, I don't I don't see him getting emotional or desperate and going to four years for JD. Maybe not even three. You know, he's yeah. I think it's then, I think it's going to be a high two. High, maybe and that maybe won't with do it. Year. That won't do it because that I'm won't do it either. From what I talk to people that are close to JD, he's got seven teams in on him now, and he's almost certainly going to get a fourth year. And I can't see the Braves going four. So if they could talk him into staying for three, yeah, maybe they do it, and maybe they would go three. I don't know. Uh, I know it's a year beyond what they'd like to go for him, but whatever I, I you got, I think if maybe they'd have made him a three-year, seventy-five million dollar yeah. offer right at, right in the offseason started, maybe they'd have a chance. I don't know. But if you got to put yourself in JD's in his uh, shoes, it. because yeah, it's like Bumgarner. Where everybody thought Bumgarner might take a hometown discount to pitch north close to North Carolina, they got to realize Bumgarner has pitched way under market. This last contract he had was kind of like the Ozzy Albies or Acuna contracts. Yeah. In that, when he was one of the best two or three pitchers in the game for a stretch, there he topped out at twelve million. This guy's made fifty-seven million in his entire career. <laughs> That's Bumgarner. wild. Grinky makes more than that in two seasons. Yeah. And yeah, now and now Strasburg's gonna make thirty five million in one year average. So so if you're Bumgarner and I'm and now you hear four or five years, a hundred million is what he's looking at, and I don't blame it. Because I'm looking at Zach Wheeler if I'm him and I'm Zach Wheeler's getting hundred and eighteen million. Bumgarner's better right now, or he's been better. So maybe he won't be better two years from now or whatever. But if I'm Bumgarner, I want I want a hundred million too. So I'd, I'd rather have Bumgarner. I don't. I, I've always I thought too. that that Wheeler's got a good right chance now. of of injury and stuff like yeah. that. But um, yeah, and Bumgarner's I, still only twenty nine. He's got a lot of mileage on that arm, but he's only twenty nine. God dang, he's only twenty nine. I feel yeah, like he's forty seven. He's been he's just been in the spotlight for so long. Uh, but I heard I heard yesterday that that the Braves aren't necessarily out on him. That they're still they're still. Yeah. You're not buying it, huh? Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> it's not convincing. Well, it would surprise me. You yeah. know, 
they they don't do defer and all that and maybe and man they don't really want to they wouldn't want to backload because you're going to have Freddie coming up for for uh, extension and Soroka is going to end up they're going to want to sign him long term and so I think it would have to be more straight deal and I don't know if they want to commit you know four years to a, a guy when they got so many pitching prospects coming up so I'm not yeah and that kind of pushed just, Nuke that pushed Nuke back into yeah, the bullpen uh, I think because you're not going to have four yeah. lefties. Right, right now, and right now, yeah, you only you don't have room for another starter unless somebody's got to go. Between Sivas and not going to be Soroka. I wouldn't trade Nuke team. with his value where it's at. I mean, I know he's a good reliever no. and whatnot, but yeah. his if he has a good season of starting, yeah, he uh, might end up being a good starter. And you traded him for nothing right now. So yeah, to make room you got Soroka, for Soroka, Freed, Fulte, and Newcomb behind uh, Hamels. Yeah. There's not room for another starter unless you move somebody. You can, yeah. you know, can you move Fulte? Can you trade him for some? I don't know that his trade value is much right now. I don't know. You, there's two guys in he, the rotation you want to give a chance to really build value this year, then, and that's Fulte and, and Nuke. Because if Fulte has a year like he had in 2018. Right, right. He's tired. Fulte's yeah, still right. young. He's worth a lot of, yeah, he's he's worth worth a lot. Lot of money before his ARP salary goes up a lot next year at over $10 million maybe. Last year he played in the minors, so you know his his trade values. It's yeah. It was just a, a month, it was just a crazy year for him. You know, it was a crazy year for him. And then, and the last thing team set, saw was that ten run first inning. Yeah, so I guess you just got to decide. You know what what kind of uh, insurance you need. But I don't. I I kind of with you. I, I heard that they were stealing on Bumgarner. I was kind of shocked. Yeah, I'm not buying it. I, I, yeah, I'm not buying it. Um. So yeah, Donaldson's got a group that includes the Braves, Dodgers, and Rangers, among others, and the Phillies. The Phillies were also interested in him. So, I mean, there's a pretty decent chance he could end up playing against the Braves. But I think if the Rangers don't get uh, don't get Rendon, I think they got to get Donaldson then. So he's going to get paid, and this is a this is part of the fallout. The the you know the six degrees of separation from the uh, Strasburg contract. So, yeah, because that meant they don't sign Rendon. So, oh, and one other thing: the next time someone tells you that they hate Scott Boris, just tell them that they wouldn't if he was their agent. <laughs> no chance. Yeah, I it's, mean, I don't know why people hate Scott Boris anyway. I mean, he's just good at what he does. It's doing it's, his job, doing it great. It's all just part of the act and and part of the script of of getting his guys paid the most, and that's that's the interest he works in, but. Yeah, I mean, it, I can understand people hating a guy that hasn't ever hit a home run making seventy-five million this offseason. Yeah. I guess in a sense, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he's just—he's a good agent, man. He gets his guys paid. He's yeah, and he just never ever crumbles. I mean, he doesn't care what people say. He doesn't care how long it takes the 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 negotiations. He's just relentless. So, he does what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, this week. Oh, oh! By the way, Shea Langoliers, the Braves catching prospect, who was drafted in the first switched, round last right? year, huh? <laughs> yeah, he just switched, he switched to Boris, didn't he? He switched to Boris this week, so yeah, and they, yeah. So well, that's why that's the, why some people hate him. Other agents hate him for that because yeah, he, he yes, takes clients yes, a lot. That's why a lot yes. of agents don't like him. But you know, at the end of the day, it's the player's choice. I, I remember yeah. um, it was crazy one year. Uh, Mike Gonzalez was getting courted by Boris, and he wound up switching, but. Boris had sent these guys every city we were in. Boris had some representative there taking Mike out to dinners and clubs and and just trying uh-huh. to woo him, right? And uh-huh. and uh, Mike was on the fence. You know, I don't know what I'm going to do because he felt bad. And his old agent was MVP Sports, Dan Lozano, that basically Boris' big rival. But those are the yeah. type of things that agents do where yeah. 
they're yeah. kind of you know sending gifts and doing all this it's shady stuff. It's not illegal, stuff. but it's like unethical in the it's view unethical. of agents. It's, pro- yeah, it's a weasley move. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'd say it's it's pretty weasley to to kind of. It'd be like you know, right. it's the same as with a, a somebody else's wife or girlfriend or something. You're just always working <laughs> on them. It's kind of bullshit, but yeah. it worked out. Mike wound up switching, so that's that's kind of one of his methods. I'm sure you know. Shay didn't do that on his own, just randomly call Boris up. You know, he's probably courted too. But yeah, that's one yeah. of the reasons that people do hate him. And I, I can't argue that one. So, well, thankfully for the Braves uh, and their fans that Anthopolis doesn't have the kind of issues with Boris that some of the previous Braves officials did, you know, with Sherholtz. So right. They, they just wouldn't. They got to the point where they would not negotiate with. They would not sign Boris clients. So. Which is not really a way to run a team because he's got too many good clients for you to <laughs> say, just say we're not dealing with that pool of players. He's got an all-star team of free agents every year. Yeah. You kind of want to be in on that yeah. even if you don't like dealing with them. Yeah. Well, the Braves could afford not to for a long time because they had such an endless – they did such a great job of, of signing uh, international free agents and drafting so well. And they had so many young players that stayed in their system for so long, you know, so – so they were in a rare position of being able to do that, but no team can nowadays. You can't just eliminate, you know. No, a group of uh, you'd be agents. out on you'd be out on some some good players. Uh, speaking of free agent pitchers, let's discuss for a minute. Discuss for a minute the last week, the signing, the Braves, a big one, Cole Hamels. Uh, he signed after we had recorded our podcast that week, so we haven't really talked about that. And I want to get your thoughts. Here's your our first chance to really talk about it here and I wanted to get your opinion since you pitched on the Braves teams that faced him many times over the years, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What's your thoughts on him, him coming to the Braves? I, I like Other it. Other than it's going to be kind of strange to see him in a, in a tomahawk, isn't it? Yeah, that'll be weird, but he's already bounced around enough where he's not just going yeah, straight yeah, from the yeah. Phillies to the Braves. You've kind of seen him right. in a few different right. uniforms, but you know, he's always good. It, it's just a, it's really similar to the, to the JD deal last year where it's just a one year deal. If he sucks uh-huh. and you know, you just kind of tough break, you know, and, and there's like they say, there's no such thing as a bad one year deal. His, uh, his yeah. velocity was down a little bit last year, but that could have been the oblique that was bothering him. He's usually 92, 93. He was like 91, but his cutter was the exact same speed. And for me, that's been uh-huh. probably his most important pitch at this point. Uh, he knows how to keep, keep the righties off balance with it and make him respect the inner half and set up his change up. You know, he's still got the good curveball. He's left-handed. Yeah. So, you know, the Braves could, like we just said, you know, they could have three really good left-handed yeah. starters if Nuke comes through. Yeah. And, and like I think Nuke can, um, they'd have Hamels, Freed, and and Nuke. That's almost, you know, Hamels isn't really a power lefty anymore, but you have two power lefties and one lefty that really knows how to pitch and has experience. Right. Uh, that's, right. that's a lot to deal with if you're Bryce Harper or, or Soto or somebody like yeah. that in, in the division. Um, you could face, you know, three straight lefties, you know, if, if that's how they wanted to set it up. Uh, mm-hmm. Most teams don't do that. But, you know, Nuke could have picked Keiko's brain last year and he probably did. But it's a lot different, um, you know, mm-hmm. how spring training and everything's set right, up. Exactly. The, the starters are together every single yeah. day. Uh, and, yeah. and it's even during the season, you know, if you're in the bullpen and there's different routines for starters and relievers. So you really don't spend that time together. If I'm the Braves, I put Nuke's locker right next to Cole Hamels. And and uh-huh. I've met Cole a few times. I'm 
he's a good dude and and he'll be uh-huh. he'll answer any question Nuke has. But I think the one thing Nuke could really use is a changeup. And if you put his locker uh-huh. right next to Cole Hamill's, man, and any of that rubs off on him because that was yeah. Cole Hamill's pitch forever was just yeah. this this just just devastating changeup he had. Um, but having a guy like that for Nuke and I'm sure Freed will I, I don't and bring Freed Fre- too, right? Yeah, I don't bring Freed up as much because Freed throws ninety seven and has a power curveball. But even uh-huh. Freed could learn a ton um of pitchability yeah. and different stuff i just i think freed's a lot closer to his ceiling and 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 he's farther yeah. along in his development than nuke i look at nuke as um his his fastball just explodes out of his hand he's so raw still but he could yeah. be i really think he could be a i see him as he could be a number one or two starter with his arm i don't i don't know about his pitchability and his stuff uh coming along or how it will he's got to go out and do it but he's every bit as talented as freed he just hasn't he really hasn't come you know, full yeah. uh, come yeah. far in his development yet, but I think spending time around Hamels will be huge, man. And and it's like like we talked about too is the the, the playoff experience that Hamels had. He's been right. there, he's done I, that. He's he's tremendous. thrown like a he's thrown a hundred uh, postseason innings uh, with and success. He was, he, he was the NLCS and World Series MVP in the same year. Yeah, because he went like seven and zero or, or yeah, seven and one or something through the postseason. Um, so guy like that, man, now, now there's a lot of questions you're not going to have to answer, um, yeah. about your rotation or anything. And, you know, maybe you can pitch Soroka on the road now. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> you know, it, not really. He's, and, I think he's going to Ham- be the ace, uh, and, but and Hamels, Hamels will get the ace about, treatment. And Hamels talked about being eager to embrace that mentor role. He said, I've seen it. I was with yeah. Philly. When they well, brought yeah. over Halliday, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Halliday, Cliff Lee, Roy yeah. Oswald, he said he learned so much from those guys, and he's seen it, and he knows that what it, how, how important it can be, and he's eager to do it. So, I mean, that's a big first step right there if the guy comes in knowing that's what's going to be expected or hoped for out of him, and he's not just willing to do it but wants to do it. No, he wants to do it. You, that's one thing that I noticed, you know, as a, as a player as you start getting older. You just say basic stuff to guys, right, that it's so basic uh-huh. to you because you've learned it so many times. You've seen it play out so many times. And, and when I would hang out with the younger guys toward the end of my career, I'd just say some basic, you know, thought that I had, and it it's like a light bulb would go off. They'd never thought uh-huh. of it. I'd say something like, look, if you don't like the pitch that catcher calls, but you know, it's the right pitch, just, just make sure that you don't miss in the zone with it. Yeah. And, and they'd never think about that. They think they had to make a perfect pitch every time. And right. it, it just, something would click and you'd see the guy go out the next time and he'd throw a one, two slider or something like that. He wanted to throw a fastball. He throw a one, two slider, he bounce it. And the guy strikes out and he comes up to you after the game. And he says, Man, hey, that that was a great <laughs> idea. I'm like, no shit, that was a great idea. What, what were you thinking before? You know, but that's kind of the mentor role where sometimes it's basic stuff, sometimes it's really yeah. deep. But just interacting with a guy that's that's been playing 15 years in the big leagues now, yeah. so much is going to rub off just being around him. So it's it's going to be really good for the rotation. Even, even Soroka is going to learn stuff from him. Yeah, you know, Mac uh, Mac told me, uh, shit, it might have been spring training, but I think it was like after one. Uh, one of uh, Freed's early starts, he said, I asked him who he reminded him. And he goes, and we were talking about another, I was asking about another left-hander and he goes, Cole Hamels. Yeah. Cole Hamels, who he reminds me of the way he stands on the mound, his presence, he's tall, lean curveball. So that's the guy when Cole was young, that's who he reminds me of when Cole threw harder. Yeah. See, I I always forget Hamels used to throw like 95, 96 with that change up in the curveball and he still Mm -hmm. throws the curveball. But when he added the cutter in, is when I think was kind of perfect timing for him because he was losing some of that velocity and it's kept his pitchability so high. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I, I think all those guys are going to really benefit from being around him. Hey, and the ladies, man, are all pissed that Culberson's gone. Well, they got Cole Hamels now. There you so go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> a replacement. Uh, this is a. Uh, yeah, make no mistake. I mean, it's it's a it's a one year deal. It's a thirty six year old guy, but this is a former ace who can still pitch. He showed with the Cubs last year for most of the season. Before that, a bleak strain. He was dealing, man. He uh, yeah. So, uh, so while the Braves don't know if they'll have Donaldson facing them with the Phillies and the Nats, the Braves do know that they will have Hamels making four or five starts against the Phillies this year. The team he spent his first nine and a half seasons with before he was traded to Texas in July 2015. What uh, he was, he had a two six six ERA last year in his first sixteen starts before he strained his oblique. Yeah, I'm rushed guessing, back too quickly. Said he yeah. came back too quickly. Came back a yeah. month later, and uh, then he developed a sore shoulder. I think it's probably from overcompensating. But he didn't want to go out like that, you know, in the free agency and all that. And even though they fell out of the race by then, he only missed one start with that shoulder. Came back the next start for uh, scoreless against the Saint, uh, against the Cardinals with eight strikeouts. And that was when the Cardinals were still playing for their playoff spot. Well, that, that kind of, you know, that makes sense to me why he had to sign a one-year deal. Um, you yeah. know, I think three, three, four years ago, the market three, four years ago, a 37-year-old Hamill still gets two years or three years. Yeah. You know, yeah, if, if he's no still doubt. putting up the numbers he's been putting up, but coming off those injuries. And that's the thing, man, is it's 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 all about the health at this point for him. He knows how to pitch. He's, he's still got good enough stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I know I know he takes really good care of himself. I remember. Yeah. Uh, big McCann, health freak. Yeah. McCann bought this crazy machine, you know, for his, his back and core like three, four years ago that that Hamels used and said, you know, it completely changed how his back felt on a daily basis. And it, it actually helped Hamels get. I think a couple miles an hour back on his fastball and get over some injuries. So um, that's just that machine was something like thirty thousand dollars, and you stand on wow. it and do these weird exercises. But that uh-huh. just kind of gives you uh, an idea of how committed he is to staying healthy. If, if guys are willing to do this stuff uh, and, and buy a machine like that, yeah. so I think I think he's you know he's got a full off season to heal up if he's if he's healthy, and that's always the big question mark when you start getting up there in years and 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 you've had a you know coming off an injury plague season, I guess you'd call it that. Uh, but if he's healthy, man, I have no doubt he's going to put up numbers. He finished the season at with a three eight one ERA and twenty seven yeah. starts, four hundred forty three strikeouts and one hundred forty one innings. That was his career low in, in innings for a full season. Um, but he was one of the he was one of the majors' most durable starters for more than a decade. Long time. I was looking at I figured it out today. I crunched the numbers on this. He averaged from two thousand seven his first full season after his rookie year when he debuted in two thousand six. But from 2007 through 2018, this guy averaged 202 innings and 31 starts. <laughs> and the league and leader a, this year had 209, you said, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> and we were just looking at those numbers that uh, that Strasburg averaged yeah, before yeah. this year. You know, He went in that span, he was 147 and 106 with a 3-3-2 ERA over 12 seasons. Yeah, that's 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 who he's been. That's who he's yeah. always been, you know. I, I, he's getting up there in years and whatnot. I think anytime you're getting up there in years, everybody's kind of, you know, waiting for the clock to strike midnight and your magic runs out and you go home and and it's over. But it's it's all about how you maintain and take care of yourself, you know. Yeah, I think he's still got yeah, plenty I left remember, in the I tank. Just, I just remember so many years uh, with the Phillies, so many good games he pitched against the Braves. Man, I mean, he was a stud. He had. Uh, he had eight full seasons and two partial seasons with them before he was traded. 
with the Phillies in 10 years. And those he was 114 and 90, 330 ERA, 1,844 strikeouts and 1,930 innings. But he had four top eight Cy Young finishes, including fifth place in 2011 when he was 279 ERA and a 0986 whip in 216 innings. Yeah, and he was probably behind his own teammates. Yep. Yeah, yep. he was he was probably getting losing yep, votes to Holiday and Cliff yeah, Lee. Yeah, he, he had Holiday and Cliff Lee where they had three in the top five. Shit. Yep. Yeah, yep. that rotation used to come to town and man, you just Oh my God. Yeah, they were like the Braves big three for a while there. Yeah. Uh he but he had eight seasons when he pitched more than two hundred innings, including five seasons with more than two hundred and ten innings. So plus postseason. Yeah, plus postseason all those years. So um you know, you and I both said we hoped the Braves would sign Baumgartner. Hell, I, you know, you said entering the offseason, you you hoped they'd sign Cole, but I didn't know that was I didn't think that was going to happen. And now hearing Bumgarner's asking for a hundred million, uh, it seems pretty it seems pretty apparent why the Braves kind of shifted to Hamels and got it done. And credit to Alex for getting it done right away because he didn't dilly dally around and end up you know trying to pick somebody off the scrap heap at the end of the winter or in spring training to fill out the rotation. So they got a guy who's credible and can really help their rotation being there from day one in spring training and being around these guys. So, so this uh, just seems like that's the new money balls just spending early, you know? <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I saw him and I saw all the deals that they've signed. Um, all the moves Alex has made early. I feel like yeah. he got some really good deals. You know, Will Smith, I yeah, thought could have got some more money. Hamels, Hamels might've yeah. been able to get more money if he waited, but I'm sure Alex yeah. just, he checked in on Bumgarner, saw where it was going and just uh-huh. said, look, I get Hamels for a one year deal. And, you know, you just you're gambling on his health a little bit. That's it. But if he's healthy, that you know, for me, it's a toss up between him and him and Bumgarner. Yeah. So, you know, you got a you got a pretty damn good rotation if they stay healthy and if New can can develop, like you said. Uh, I think it's certainly a good enough rotation considering how stacked the bullpen is now. I mean, we've talked yeah. about that at length yeah. last time. But if those guys stay healthy in that pen. I mean, I think it could be the best bullpen in the National League if they stay healthy. There's no reason it can't be. So you're talking about like five, six guys that you can turn to with confidence in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings, whereas last year there were a lot of games where if two guys were down, if they needed a day off, then you were left using a guy and just crossing your fingers and hoping the starter went seven innings because if not, you were thrusting a guy into that seventh inning that had no business pitching there in a a high leverage inning at all. And that's not going to happen now with with five or six guys that are capable of doing it. It's, it's actually incredible looking back at it how they patched that season together. Uh, no, they, they really they just, did. They just had a lot of guys that that were getting thrust into roles they weren't quite ready for. Even you know, I thought Jackson did an awesome job considering he'd yeah. never even had a chance yeah. to get a hold before. You know, he'd never even pitched in big situations, and this guy's getting thrown into your closer's role. Um, yeah. Having a bullpen that deep, though, man, it, it takes a lot of pressure off the the starting rotation too. Because if if you got a guy like Nuke that's only got to get through five or six and doesn't, yeah. you know, you don't have to send him back out there in the seventh when he's looking a little sketchy. You know, yeah. you can you can just tell him way to go. You know, take your win. You're up mm-hmm. three nothing, and 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 have him. He can leave uh-huh. a lot of outings feeling good without having that risk of having one blow up on him. Uh, but yeah, man, this this bullpen. You're right. They just they just didn't want to take any shot at at being caught in the position they were in last year. They're just man, they're yeah. going for it. As far as that goes, man, um, I don't know if you could have a deeper bullpen with with everybody coming back and the way it's lined up. Yeah, uh, 
it's just uh, <laughs> it's a yeah. It's, you have any more than that, then really, it's you, not enough innings to pitch them if right. they stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, and then you start getting you know guys are frustrated they don't get to pitch or, they or there's pitch no, for three there's days. no innings yeah. for them or you know you got a former closer as your long man or some shit. You don't want to have that. Yeah. But the way it's yeah. set up right now, man, the the staff for me is is pretty much set. You know, I, I I've heard they're still in on Bumgarner, like we said, but like you you're saying, I don't I don't I don't see it happening. Yeah. Um, I think they need to use that remaining money. I don't know how much they have left because they're obviously raising the payroll because they're already at 130. Give it to JD. They need to use that money, whether it's on JD or whether it's to trade for Chris Bryant or sign, you know, Marcelo Zuna. But they got to use it on a bat because they got to add another bat. You can't just subtract Josh Donaldson from the offense and expect the offense to still be good by plugging in Camargo and Riley. You know, you can't well, do that. Well, that's, that's been my thought the whole time is I keep hearing third base, third base, third baseman. But but for me, you need a four hitter. You need somebody behind Freddie. Yeah, and that, that's what that's Alex what, said yesterday for the first yeah. time. He acknowledged it publicly that the power hitter that they want, they need a power bat, and it could come from third base or it could come from the outfield as well, he said. so Yeah, if you get Ozuna, then go ahead and plug uh, Camargo in at third. Or let him and Riley figure it out. Right. But if you right. don't have, a, you got to have a power bat behind Freddie because I feel like that's what to. that's what changed the whole dynamic of the lineup last year was having JD backing up Freddie. And Freddie got mm-hmm. pitched to, and you saw the damage he was going to hit forty homers, or he did. You know, when uh, they made that change in November, May tenth, it changed everything. When they moved Josh to fourth and moved Acuna back up to his uh, leadoff yeah. spot that he likes. Yeah, I think that's the key. And you know, it's third base is obviously the the spot where you have an open position and whatnot, but. You got to have a four hitter. Yeah. You you find a way yeah. to get a power bat in this lineup, and and for me, the team's pretty much set. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then they want to they want a backup shortstop, a backup shortstop, utility guy, defensive minded shortstop. To me, that seems screams Echeverria again, unless they get somebody else. But that's not Echeverria, Camargo. huh? That's not no. Camargo. They want another guy, shortstop, because they didn't like Camargo's D last year. Remember, they had to go out and get Echeverria. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Camargo and Culberson fell on their faces trying to fill in for Dansby. Yeah. So yeah, they want to get another utility guy like an Echeverria, if, if and, and maybe him. That uh, that's the defensive shortstop. I keep forgetting one. there's an extra roster spot too. Yeah, yeah. He says they haven't decided yet how they're going to use that 26 man. Whether it's a guy that they can option back and forth, you know, to AAA, keep shuffling them in, whether it's an extra arm, uh, which they probably aren't going to need, obviously, or an extra utility guy. So they said they haven't decided. You could go with three catchers if you have another catcher. You know, who knows? But, yeah, I think uh, a lot of teams are going to use that 26 man as just the dude riding the bus between AAA. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be kind of a, a revolving door of, of an Alex, extra player. Alex also mentioned a possibility, which I thought was intriguing. For the Rule 5 coming up Thursday, he said this year he thinks there's going to be more position players, hitters drafted because of the 26-man. Because of, I guess there's, I guess there's a pretty decent pool of players available. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Braves took a hitter in that thing. Yeah, you could just hide him as a 26 guy that maybe gives you something off the bench, maybe some power or whatever. So That's kind of a weird way to utilize it. But I guess if you steal yeah. a good player, you know, it might yeah. be worth it. But, yeah, if you're trying Man, you to win. you got to have a speed or something, you know. If you're trying to win and, and you got this 26 man and, and he's hitting a buck 27 and you just don't want well, to lose gotta him. He's got to be useful. He's got to have yeah. a tool, you know. You got to have speed, some something. tool. You gotta, yeah. yeah. Some guys just aren't ready. That's why they, they're available in the Rule 5. Yeah. But it'll be interesting yeah, to see what teams do with it. Remember, there was guys like Dan Ugla was a Rule 5 guy. And remember, he went to Miami and, be, and set like records for home runs for a second baseman in his first five seasons. Yeah. Every once in a while, one of them just pops yep. off. You know, they were just every blocked. once in a while. Uh, but yeah, Alex said, uh, he said, I think it's fair to say we want something for the middle of the order. 
Uh, I can't guarantee we'll be able to accomplish that, but I'd like to add a middle-of-the-order bat if we can. Um, he uh, Let's see what else he said. Adding another utility player and other potential... Oh, kind of finishing off type moves. I, I was just opining this myself. That don't have that kind of urgency. They can, you know, get that utility guy later, that kind of thing. To me, those take a backseat to, obviously, the one thing now is getting that extra bad, and that's it. Like, I'm, I'm with you. They get that, and they're ready to play ball, man. I think that I think the rest of it's already done. Yeah. So Yeah, which is cool that they just jumped on everything early. You know, it's – he. I think you're right. I think Alex just didn't want to get caught, you know – uh, yeah. exposed and, and not having a, mm-hmm. a way to fill a hole like like it, kind of what happened last year with the bullpen. But yeah, they're they're looking like, you know, one more move and I don't know what we're going to talk about the rest of the offseason. Oh, there'll be something. something yeah. you know, with him, you just never know, man. He might start trading guys. You don't even know. Shit. Yeah. He, he might have something in mind that he's not even tipping his hand at all. That's just the way he operates. But one of those options, obviously, is Josh, who turned 34 on Sunday, by the way. <laughs> So you got seven uh, teams in on them. Seven teams, what I hear, but you know, so I think it's at least six, and three or four of those are big spenders that need a third baseman pretty bad. I still, man, I've still said I've said this plenty of times on Twitter. I still like the idea. I don't know if it's even conce- if it's if it's a possibility at all. But if the Dodgers, because they they're 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 big on Donaldson and Rendon both, but how about how about? Because if they get him, if they get a third baseman, they got to move Turner, and they've talked about moving him second. They move blah blah blah. Mm. How about the Braves try to get Turner with one oh, year? He's got one awesome. year left on his contract. Twenty million. The Dodgers would pay some of that down probably if you send him a prospect. And you don't have to give up too much for for a one year deal. No, no, no. And that dude can rake, man. High oh, yeah, OBP power, and he's okay at third. He's not great anymore, but high OBP like crazy and power. Yeah, I don't know. He if brings he has- some energy too. Yeah, I don't know if he has exactly the same presence as Donaldson, but he he definitely filled that yeah. four hole and, and he's got and a do presence though. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. He does for sure. That'd be cool. He looked that's, pretty that's good, good with good that player. top button with that top button undone and that A showing through, like it, <laughs> like he always wears it. <laughs> yeah, he'd fit right in. Yeah, I, yeah, I like him, man. I like. I've always liked that dude, but we'll see. There's a lot of things that could happen, but I think things are moving pretty quickly. That's the good thing is I don't think. Fans are going to have to wait around till you know, January like they did last year for this stuff to get resolved. January, February was last year. No, it's Stuff's been a lot more quick. fun watching. You know, It's been better for baseball. I think the teams are making moves and things are happening versus the quiet past few off seasons that just yeah. everyone just loses interest, doesn't even talk about it. Uh, Josh, by the way, was quietly named uh, National League Comeback Player of the Year last week, by the way. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even hear or see about that until yesterday. Yeah, finished nothing. 11th in the MVP balloting, too. Nice. Nice enough comeback year for him. He's going to make some money because of it. One yeah, last big contract. Yeah. So, and and, and 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 it was a good gamble by Anthopoulos a year ago because a lot of people thought, you giving this guy $23 million? He's played 165 games the last two years. You know, played 50-some games last year, and he gave him $23 million, largest one-year free and contract ever. Yeah, I now think even like, if he, you know, even if Hamill's deal doesn't work out, if he shoots fifty percent just on the Donaldson and, and Hamill yeah, one year yeah, deals, exactly. Donald's, Donnie's deal almost covers Hamill's because of the return you got for that. Uh, yeah, the way he played last year might have been worth thirty five. I don't know, but it's uh, absolutely. It looks good. Uh, anyway, they say there's mutual. You know, he said there was mutual interest between him and Donaldson returning after the day after the season ended, but I don't know if the Braves 
thought the price was going to go right quite where it has with so many people after third baseman. So I don't think anyone expected teams to be spending like this. Yeah. Even even teams. Right. I don't think the teams even thought this right. was going to happen. So who knows? Maybe they were told, let's hey, let's 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 get the let's let's I spend think so. some money so yep. the collective bargaining yep. thing. So there's not a strike here, you know, a year from now. I think now. there's some strategy to it. I, yeah, I, that's I know. That, that's been my thought too, is hey, we gotta spend some money. We're gonna we're gonna look like shit when the next collective bargaining. When they're agreement striking, comes up. yeah. Yeah, because we're going to – all the money that we're saving now by not spending on players, we're going to yeah. lose in a strike. So yeah. everybody loses in a strike. Everybody loses. <laughs> all right, yeah. So there's other possibilities. Like Ozuna, like we mentioned, this dude, uh, str- he's not a strong defender anymore like he used to be. And he hit just 241 last year. His OPS was 100 points below Donaldson. But he can still hit bombs, man. He had 29 homers and 89 ribbies for St. Louis. And he's averaged Azuna's averaged twenty nine and ninety four the last four seasons. So, you know, there's another possibility. I think you'll get. A, I think you'll get a player. I, I don't. I don't think Anthopoulos is is going to allow to be that big glaring hole there after doing all this other work and putting together such a good bullpen and getting Hamels. I, I just and and winning two in a row and knowing the Nationals. You know, coming back as World Series champions, I don't think that he would uh, allow this team to slip. You know, ten games behind the Nats next year. Yeah, just exactly. seeing how how things you know went after after you put Donaldson in the four hole last year. I think yeah. it's it's pretty evident you need you need a four hole hitter. You need and somebody the behind Freddie. Yeah, the Braves, they've got they're up to one hundred thirty million. So that's they're already over last year's uh, opening day payroll significantly. So we'll see. Should be a good sign for fans that you know were worried about the, would they ever spend again. So all right, well. That's about it. We'll uh, we'll do this again next week, and uh, maybe we'll have another move to talk about then. But until then, enjoy the rest of the winter meetings from afar and uh, and, and your own winter meetings up there in Seattle. Yeah, all uh, right. All right, I'll man. Talk to you That's next 755 week. is real. We're out. Follow us on Twitter and keep track of everything. We'll talk to you.